Team Athletics Podcast. I got my guy Q in here. I'm your host Kyle Coglatore and we have the pleasure of having professional basketball player Darnell Harris with us today. How's it going Darnell? I'm going good man. Just enjoying my day. I'm excited to do this podcast. Very dope. Very dope. You know before we get into it I want to know uh, why are you getting stomped and madden by Q? <laughs> Tell the truth. Tell the truth Q. Like no, nah, I'm getting better. Like, if this is last summer or the beginning of this year, Q, he was dogging me, like, 20-0, like, 40-0. But now he got to bring his A game against me. He, he knows it ain't, it ain't an easy game no more. Yeah, we, we had to do a little, uh, you know, a couple lab sessions. You know, he's he's starting to catch on, and now he's up there uh, battling with the big dogs. We, in this league we're in, he did get the, he did get the win, but we're going to see each other in the playoffs, so I ain't worried about him. Film that record, too, 10-1. <laughs> well, I know uh, Q's actually taken on a couple people on the get or on the show, a couple of our guests, and took their money, and they're pretty upset yeah. once they found out he could play Madden. Yeah, Q man, he good. He Q good at every game. He be on all of them. We won't say no. We won't say any names though. <laughs> I saw you playing ML- MLB the other day. Nah, FIFA. <laughs> uh. So, D, you're from Wisconsin, Milwaukee specifically. Yeah. Coming up, did you always plan on being a hooper, or did you have other interests? No, I mean, basketball was always number one. I mean, I played flag, flag football in elementary, but it wasn't nothing too serious. And I always had the height. I was always the tallest in my class. You know, I was, and I was, I was pretty good. And I was always beat up on the little kids in my, in my class, the short kids. And I believe I just I started taking it serious around fourth or fifth grade and took off from there. And just strictly hoops after that? Nobody was begging you to come out on the football team? Strictly hoops, man. I, and I, in high school, the football coach, oh, he, you know, they tried to recruit the basketball team, but it never worked. And our Tom Beaner wasn't going for it anyways. Oh, I believe that. I believe that. And you know you can't teach height. Hoops loves height. Yeah. I don't know if I would have been a good football player. No, I ain't the fastest guy or the strongest guy. I don't know. I probably could have played some tight end. I wouldn't have been the blocker, though. Straight routes. <laughs> Gronkowski. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about your AAU journey because you're on a, a, a team that's really known, the Milwaukee Running Rebels, and you're on the same team as Devin Harris, right? Devin Harris. Um, what you mean, the, the NBA player Devin Harris? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he sponsored us my sophomore year of high school. So we had the Adidas, the Adidas, everything, Adidas, Adidas shoes, Adidas jersey. And he, he came to a couple of our tournaments and watched this play, and that, that was cool. You know, we changed our name that year to um, D. Harris Rebels that year. You know, that was the first time, like, we ever changed our name. But it was cool. You know, we went to some good tournaments that year. You know, he sponsored us, and it, it, it was a good year. How important do you think AAU is? for your development and for getting recruited? Uh, I think it was the biggest, like, running Rebels, like, they, we had good history, you know, guys went to college previously, only had a couple NBA guys, and we was known on the circuit, and our coaches had, was well connected around the country, and they they put our name out there. All we had to do was go out there and perform, and every summer, you know, it it was a test. We spent some top teams in the country, top players, and we got better from it, and I believe, 
our organization also got bigger and bigger as the years went on. Did they ever play any politics? Oh, um, yeah, we believe it was politics. You know, it's hard to get the same um, like recognition from Milwaukee as a New York guy or California guy. So, you know, we feel like we always have to put the extra work in, go the extra mile to get recognized. And um, once we did that, it, it, started, it started going well for it. You know, Kevon Looney came next and started bringing some light towards Milwaukee running rubbers, and it just continued to grow from there. What are your thoughts on the social media? Do you think it correlates in getting recruited back then versus now? I mean, now you probably don't even have to really play basketball if you just got a little highlight. Real like, I believe it was start. It was starting. Social media was starting to get there when I was playing AAU, but it wasn't all the way there yet. You know, we had a couple mixtape highlights. Like the big players, really only ones that highlights: Brandon Jennings, John Wall, and now today everybody got a highlight. You know, everybody got a hoop mixtape, and but I feel like it, it helps in today's game, like. Like, like you said, coaches really don't have to travel no more in a live period. You can just, they can just go on YouTube, type your kid name, man, and, and see, see what they can do. You know, and um, that helps a lot. And I feel like these kids today, they take, it, they take advantage of the social media. You know, everybody posting their commitments on Twitter, even on their middle school middle school commitment. Now kids posting that on, on Twitter, though. They taking advantage of it, and as they should. I would have, too. You know, and uh, one of my favorite parts of your story, your basketball journey is, you had a very unique high school experience. Yeah. I mean, you went to how many different high schools? Three of them? Yeah, I went to three high schools. Three different first, high schools. First one was Alexander Hamilton, right? No, Milwaukee Bayview was the first Milwaukee one. Milwaukee Bayview, okay. Yeah. Walk, walk yeah. me through all that. Oh, yeah, cool. So, Milwaukee Bayview, I went there with my own AU teammates, um, all the guys I played with since fifth grade. And, um, we just decided to go there. Our AU coach, assistant coach, you know, was Luke Chapman, and he was starting to come up in the coaching ranks, and he was offered his first head coaching job at Milwaukee Bayview towards the end of that summer. And me and Elgin Cook was, like, we committed ourselves to go play for Tom Diener at Vincent. And, like, one day we all had a meeting, and Luke Chapman, he brought us together. It's like, you guys play well together. We had a very good summer on the circuit that, that year, and he wanted to keep us all together. And we, we wasn't all together, I believe. Me and Elgin was going to Vincent. Charlie was going to Charlie and Haki was going to Rufus King. So we were splitting up. And you know, um, he decided to keep us together. And um, we had the we had the chemistry yard ready and we wanted to do something special as freshmen. So we all decided to go to Bayview with him. And I don't regret it. You know, we got the chance to play varsity right away. We had to learn, man up right away. Um, it helped us a lot towards our in our career in high school. You got any crazy stories about that? I mean, being freshman and playing right away. Oh, yeah, you had to deal with the, um, the jealousy of guys that's on the team last year, juniors and seniors, who thought they was going to move up before they senior year and you know, play varsity. And when they found out these four little freshmen was coming in, this new coach, um, it was hard. But one thing, Chapman, he didn't, he didn't give us the, um, you know, the, the starting position. We had to work for it every day in practice. And you know, we was getting up 6 in the morning before class, working out, and um, working out after school as well. So... We had to earn it. You know, Elgin Cook and Hakeem Stampley, they started off on the freshman team. Like, they was playing freshman. They wasn't playing varsity right away. You know, Elgin was still developing. He was a raw athletic talent. You know, Hakeem just wasn't ready yet. And um, so, really, it was just me and Charlie playing varsity at the beginning of the year. Then Elgin worked his way up and he ended up becoming a, a, a starting varsity player. And we just continued to get better after that. You know, we was working that whole year, even during the season. We was getting up early with Chapman. And working on becoming pros as freshmen in high school. 
It's crazy. It, it was, <clears throat> oh, go ahead, Q. I was going to say, who are some of the, the varsity talent that was on that team when you guys first got there as freshmen? I, I remember uh, Lacey. That's probably the only one I remember on that, yeah. that, that baby Lacey, team. Lacey was actually young. He was, uh, no, he was there with Dwight Bikes and Shane. He was started as a freshman. And by the time we got there, he was becoming a junior. You know, at the time, he was the top-ranked junior in the state. And so, you know, he wasn't worried about nothing. Uh, we Luckily, we didn't have no shooting guard at the time, so he was good. There was some other seniors like I don't know if you know his name, Antoine Howard. He was he was pretty decent. He played, he ended up playing that year, but he had a rough year, he ended up quitting like two times, didn't get along with Chapman. You know, he felt kind of disrespected by the freshmen. So I mean he was a good talent though, but he couldn't get there mentally for us. And it was some other some other good players. Um another name was Robert Littleton. He was a um, sophomore. He was pretty good the year before and, and Elgin ended up beating beating him out for a spot. So it was a lot of guys that that lost their spots, but you know it was some of them that that committed to the process and, and stayed with us that year. Was it uh was that the school they had to do that like in depth, seeing if there was something crazy going on to bring in you guys? Wasn't there some crazy story where a coach got you guys to come in? And they thought he recruited you or something? Yeah, that, that was the next year at um year. with Tom Dinner. Yeah, tell me that story. I love to hear. Tell me that story again. So. That summer, you know, like you said, like I said, Luke Chapman, he was climbing in the ranks um, as becoming the coach, and he had a decent year for his first year. I mean, we won eight games, playing all he playing four freshmen, so people uh, really respected that, and he ended up getting a college offer to go to Loyola, Chicago, and, you know, it was, it was tough for him to take it. You know, he wanted to stay with us and um, keep building at Bayview, so he, he made a hard decision, and he took it, and we, we respected it for him, but... Um, that summer, we was uh, wondering again what we going, what were we going to do? I mean, we didn't want to stay at Bayview. At the time, Bayview was former, and they was turning their high school into a middle school and a high school. So we didn't like that that situation, and we all decided to um, to transfer. And towards the end of that summer, we heard that um, Tom Diener was getting ready to take the job at Milwaukee Hamilton. He didn't take it yet, though. He was just teaching. He left Vincent. He was just teaching. And he was planning on retiring at the moment. And then when, when we when he heard that we were available and transferring, he talked to our parents. Our parents talked to him, and he said he would love us to come play for him at Milwaukee Elms. But only way he would do that is if we come and he would take the job. You know, um, a month later, around right before the season starts, so it won't look obvious, and they can't say he recruited. So we went there. You know, um, again, we got to go through. Sophomores, guys coming to take our spot again, and Hamilton. I mean, yeah, they had Hamilton had a pretty good year the year before. It was bringing back a lot of upperclassmen, so we had to work again. And so we go there. I mean, going to start the season, and about a month in, Tom Dooner announced that he's the head coach, taking the head coaching job in Walking Hamilton. And that's when it came out on WIAA start investigating, and they felt like Tom Dooner recruited us, which he did, and um. It, it was it was crazy, you know. It was cameras coming up at school every day trying to ask those questions. And I remember our parents and coaches telling them, don't talk to the media, go straight home after school. Because wrong, wrong thing, our season, wrong, one wrong thing said our season would have been done. You know, we, we would have had to play JV or, or something that year. So it was, it was a scary moment. Um, luckily, they couldn't, they couldn't find nothing because Diener took the head coaching job after we came. So... That was, that was smart his end, and we ended up was able to play our sophomore year, and we had a pretty good year. 
luckily everything was smooth. You, you played another year there too, though. Like you played your junior year there. Yeah. I played. I played two years there. You no, know, my sophomore year, I believe we finished second in the city conference behind Milwaukee, Washington. It was pretty good that year, and we ended up getting one game from going upstate. We lost to Jamil Wilson in a crazy game um, in the semifinal you know, um, finals. So we we had a good year. Um, Tom Denner was a great coach, and we was balling that junior year. We came back hungry. What you got, Q? I was actually at that game. That was a, a incredible game between you guys and uh, Racine Horlick. That was that was pretty wild. Yeah, man, Jamel Wilson. He was hot at the moment too. I remember he was offering some Duke, Marquette, Oregon. You know, Everyone looked forward to that challenge. We came up short, but it was it was hell of a smear. I mean, you guys were sophomores playing against pretty much all seniors. Like, their starting five were, was entirely seed. I think they had one junior in that starting five. Yeah. They had a, another guy, too, that was athletic. I believe his name was Antoine Oliver. Oliver, yeah, Antoine. He's, he's lanky, body like Sean Livingston. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. We, we tested them. They, they made us better for sure for the next year. Certainly. Well, then you grew up quick because then you went down to – you transferred down to Houston, Texas, Christian Life Center Academy. My junior year, yeah. What made you decide to even do that? Like, tell me the whole thought process there. Why would you leave that situation? I thought you loved Diener and all that. I did. Um, and mostly it had to do with academics. You know, that year I was doing good on the court, but I was getting in a lot of trouble off the court that year. At home, no, um, I wasn't doing too good. And I also wanted to play against – some some teams um, around the country that was good. So I talked to my AAU coach. We figured that going to Houston would have been the best route for me. And another reason is because I didn't want to go to JUCO out of high school. I wanted to go down there, get my grades, so I'd be able to go straight to D1. And so I went down there. Houston it was a great, great situation, um, great school. I mean, great team, great coach. You know, we had a crazy schedule. We was flying all around the country, playing some of the top teams. Finlay, um, it was almost top ESPN, top 20. So I went down there and got better. I was with some of the top talent around the country. Um, Josh Gray, he a two-way player right now for the Pelicans. Um, ben Blackmore was there. Uh, so we had, we had some great talent. And the practice was crazy. It was just, man, the schooling is what got in the way. And I wish I would knew that before. So it was, it was kind of bad bad studying on my part, but school ended up getting red flag towards the end of the year from previous years and that year, and they ended up shutting it down, so everybody who was playing either had to go to prep school or go to during college. So, that, that, that experience, it was, it was some good and it was some bad, but I don't regret it. Well, then you ended up going to La Jolla. Oh, yeah, La Jolla. Um, or La Jolla, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, went, I ended up going there once again because I didn't want to go the JUCO route. You know, for some reason, I was scared to go in the JUCO route. You know, I went there, and they, they was telling me all I had to do was go there, study for my SAT, and I'd be good to go. I was committed to um, I was committed to Cleveland State while I was going to La Jolla, and they was telling me just go there, take my SAT, study for my SAT, and I'll be in Cleveland State next year. So that, that's what I was doing out there. Also playing another crazy schedule. We was playing Finlay. We was driving to Vegas like all the time playing Finlay. We went to New York, played some top teams out there. And I believe around February, you know, I just had a bad feeling about the situation. Um, luckily, I was right. I text 
my high school coach, Lou Chapman, was like, I think, I think I'm think i going to go to Juco route. And um, it's not working for me. And he texted me at the time. He was at Whitewater with Q, um, coaching them. And he was telling me to come to Whitewater. And like at first, I laughed at him. I thought he was joking. No, I didn't. I didn't know too much about Whitewater. I'm like, bro, come to Whitewater? What you talking about? And, but he was serious. He, and I remember we talked every day for that week. He was telling me, like, man, come here. Get your own apartment, man. Start, start, start taking classes. Um, we run. We run our program like a Division One program. And if it was anybody else, I probably wouldn't have believed him. But I trusted him from the past years. And it was a great move for me. He was right. Once I got the white water, man, they ran their program like a like a Division One program. They scout, they took everything serious. Um, the coaching was was wonderful. Um, Pat Miller, great coach. You know, Lou Chapman, crazy coach, got got his guys better. And Whitewater, I believe, was the great move for me instead of going straight to Dream College. Well, with La, with La Jolla, it was uh, it was because of NCA's academic requirements, right? That things kind of fell apart there. Like you got it, you would Cleveland State wanted you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then. Their their academic curriculum didn't meet the NCA standards, which screwed you over. Yeah, screwed me over. And, um, and Cleveland State was on our member. They was they was man cussing them out every day. Like man, what's going on? They flew out there about five times to make sure everything was going smooth. And like they had a feeling as well around February. I had a feeling, and we just we just called it quits out there and made the next move. So were you planning after you went to? Whitewater, were you thinking like, oh, I'm going to Cleveland State after a season here? What's kind of yeah, going yeah. on in your mind? Yeah, that's that's one thing we talked about with, um, with Lou Chapman, you know. The plan was to go to Whitewater um, and get – I needed 24 um, credits to transfer out. But I also, I would have to sit out the next year at Cleveland State, but I, I was okay with that. You know? I just wanted to play Division One, and um, I, I was willing to do anything to go there. And that's, that summer, you know, it was it – was, I was back with Lou Chapman. You know, we was working hard back in on um, grinding in the morning, and um, he's telling me how the competition at Whitewater it wasn't going to be easy. You know, I had to prepare myself, and we ended up getting it done. Like um, at Whitewater, you know, we was working on defending. They won the y'all won the championship the previous year, right? Yep. Yeah. So I, I had pressure on me. Everybody was expecting me to be the next Chris Davis. You know, <laughs> I was like, man, this guy averaged 30 years before, won a championship. So I had that pressure on me. And coming in, the guys and my teammates, man, they, they was good. It was it was an easy transition for me. I got to play with some great players, you know, Q, KJ. Those are some good guys. And it made my transition easier for me. And I enjoyed Whitewater, especially off the court. On the court, it was good. So, man, Whitewater, it was the life. You getting a little, little trouble out there, you two, in Whitewater? I wouldn't say any trouble. We we had some fun, some fun memories, some good times. You know, we we had a lot of battles. I remember. Uh, I want to say it was our one of our first road games. We went to Illinois Wesleyan, and it, it was it was such it was a packed environment, and it was Darnell's breakout game. I think he almost dropped about thirty. You know, was hitting, scoring from everywhere on the floor, low post, three point, mid range, free throw line everywhere, and it was. It was one of those games, like, man, we could really have something special here. And, you know, I always knew what Darnell had to offer, you know, seeing him in high school, seeing him in, you know, Breakfast of Champions League and in the fall before uh, high school season starts. Like, you know, anyone that has height and length that can shoot the ball, they're they're gifted. 
Yeah, man. And I remember the beginning of that own year, I, would, I struggled. Like, the first four or five games, like, I struggled. Like, guys was, was stronger. You know, they moved at a different pace. It wasn't it wasn't high school basketball. And I, I didn't get a chance to experience college ball yet. So, it was a struggle for me. I remember I, I couldn't hit shots. I couldn't remember the plays. And I think that game right there, it, it calmed me down and slowed everything down for me. And it, it was good after that. Well, then, I mean, it, it couldn't have been that great because you ran away after one year. <laughs> went to a cutthroat juco after that. So what what happened? Tell me, because you thought you were going to Cleveland State right after that. Yeah, the plan was to go to Cleveland State right after that, and then I believe the the Gary Waters, the head coach at um, Cleveland State, ended up retiring. So that year, the end of that year, you no, know, we lost, I believe, Sweet Sixteen or second round, something like that. And I remember meeting with Lou Chapman, and we was just talking about the future. And I was telling him like I I actually wanted to stay. I was telling him, like man. I want to stay like it was the first time like I felt comfortable. You know, I haven't been in a place like back to back years. I'm like, man, I like it here. Um, I like the school. I got some good friends out here. I like my teammates. We had a we would have had a good team coming back the next year. And I was telling like I want to stay. And he was telling me like, like, no, I'm out. I made you a promise you come here one year and you go you go chase your dreams. I just wanted to get you here, get you started, get you adjusted to the college life. And um he was telling me like a guy Name um, Steve Forbes. Actually, just took the head coaching job now at um, Wake Forest. He was the head coach down at Northwest Florida. And, uh, he remembered me from high school, from elite camps. He was at Tennessee Bruce Pearl. I went down there, and he remembered me. And he he heard that I was playing Division three basketball, and he told Lou that if I want, he got a scholarship waiting for me down there at um, Northwest Florida. And at the time, they was the number one JUCO in the country. Uh, that just came from a finals appearance. And, um, and then on the JUCO tournament. And I felt like it was, it was a great um, situation for me. So I took the risk. You know, I said, forget running from JUCO. And I went down there and it, it was a good decision. How crazy was that uh, transition from D3 to cutthroat D1 JUCO program? Man, I, I believe, I believe water, it made it easier for me. Like once I got there, it was, it was a smooth transition. Like guys, guys, first of all, guys didn't know me as well as um, some of the other players and they heard I was coming from D3. So at first I was, I wasn't real respected, but I got off to a great start down there fast. Like I was already used to watching film, breaking down film, moving at a college pace. And um, they were surprised. And I remember we was had many college coaches coming in our practices during the early period during October. And they were surprised. It's like, who is this guy? And, um, that's when I started picking up offers from um, everywhere. A lot of big major colleges was interested. So I believe Whitewater, Whitewater helped me in that transition. Um, I, I was, I was big, I was strong. The Whitewater had a good weightlifting program. So going to JUCO, it, it was an easy adjustment. Probably one of my easiest adjustments in my career. What offers were you getting? Um, I had an offer from UCF, um, Middle Tennessee, Washington State. I visit Kent State. So it was, it was a lot of mid majors and low majors as well, and I, I narrowed it down to five um, mid majors. So I took five visits and I ended up on committed to Middle Tennessee early. You know, I committed him early because I wanted to just focus, get to college, my decision out the way, and focus on the season and have a good season. So I can, again, it was it was a good decision. So uh, I want to jump in before we transition from uh, Northwestern Florida State. I know one player personally on that team. I want to know if you had to guard him in practice. Did you ever have to guard Michael Chandler in practice? Man, I hate 
top, bro. Man, Freddie, man, he was special, man. He he was he was an NBA talent. Now, I, I played against him um, during high school. Um, we played against him at the Pangos All American Camp, I believe. It was ninth grade. Sorry, I already knew about him. He was all, he was always one of the top players around the country. But when I, but when I seen him like every day, like what he was doing in practice, man, some of the stuff he was doing it was like the white Howards, like backboard blocking shots, and it, it was crazy. You know, we also had another big named Stephen Hurt. He went to Kansas State. Like he was seven foot. So those, watching those two battle every day, it was crazy, man. No practice, it, it was high level for real. Yeah, I played against him uh, in AAU. He was on the D Rose All Stars with uh, Ryan, Ryan Boatwright. I still, I still got that film today. Uh, first off, I gave Ryan Boatwright buckets. I gave him, I gave him about thirty. And yeah. second, Michael Chandler dunked on our center so bad. I'm gonna find it and I'm gonna send that to you later on. Send him that for real, man. That guy, he was special, man. If you had to focus off the court, he, he for sure would have been NBA for real. Definitely. And then you go, you go to Middle Tennessee, and and the, the crazy thing is, is like, I look back at your stats, your career stats, bro. You're averaging the same exact thing at D three as you were at D one. Yeah. Is is, yeah. is that weird, you? When you go back to look at that, you're supposed to be playing against harder competition. You keeping the same stat line all the way through that. Yeah, yeah, I believe, and I believe cause it was Whitewater. You know, a lot of people feel I should average twenty, thirty at Whitewater, but. If you never played Division Three, like you, you wouldn't know. Like it's, it's talented. Like it's, it's some real players in there, and I believe I just got better. Like at, at Northwest Florida, I got better that year. You know, transition. It just made my transition easier. You know, one thing I struggled, but one thing about D three junior college, Division One pace is is totally different, and that's why I believe I struggled my junior year. You know, I had to get get used to the pace. Um, the practice every day was it was ten times harder and. Kermit Davis was an asshole, man. We were friends today, but man, that guy always, always made me quit basketball every day. Like, but it made me better, man. Um, it made he made me mentally tough. Like, I feel like Lou Chapman and my junior college coach that they made me, you know, better on the court, on um, skill wise. But Kermit Davis, man, he made me mentally tough every day. He, he brought it every day. His passion every day. So that year, I, I just got better, and um, the trust he trusted me my senior year. And I end up having a great year. You know, you touched a little bit about D3 and saying there's, you know, it's it's talent there. Uh, we had a lot of runs. I, I went to St. Thomas. Um, we'd have a lot of runs with the U of M. And the one thing I noticed was it, it felt like, to me, it was just the athletic was different. The size and the athletes were different. But as far as shooting, I felt like D3 was better shooters. Yeah. That, that was the only thing, like, athleticism and bigger guys. But other than yeah. that, like, guys were skilled. Guys, one thing I believe – the best thing about D D three is the IQ of the, um, the players. Like mm -hmm. guys are smart and they beat they beat you mentally with their mind, and that's why I struggled my my freshman year. There, you know, I was used to jumping over everybody, you know, being taller than everybody, blocking everybody's shots. But those guys, they used their mind, their body, and that that, that was great, and it helped me later on in my career. First time you ever got boxed out, huh? Man, <laughs> no, no, best boxer I ever. <laughs> Shout out to Luke. And they got post moves for days. <laughs> Let, let's fast forward again to Middle Tennessee. Dude, you knocked out number two seed, Michigan State, 15-point upset. This is like beating, knocking out Tom Izzo, bro. Like Denzel uh, Valentine, Brent Forbes on that. Like, that's just the experience. I need to know what that was like. 
man, it was crazy. I remember, I tell guys every time, like, that that whole day is a blur. Like, I don't remember anything. Like, I remember spurts, you know. Um, that day, I remember waking up, like, I was just, I was jumpy, like, nervous the whole day, hands sweating. Like, I was, I was just ready to ball. I remember it was crazy getting all my all the tickets ready. I had like thirty tickets I had to had to sort out, and so it was crazy. But once we got on the court, man, it was all love. Like all the all the nerves nerves went away, sweaty hands went away, and we went out there and ball. And the week before, we was confident. We was confident that whole week, you know. Um, when we found out on Selection Sunday that we got Michigan State, we were we were happy. We felt like that was a great matchup for us. And it was, it was a lot of rumors of saying that we might have got West Virginia. And that's one team we didn't want to play because our guard play that year really it wasn't that good. So we knew that would be a bad matchup. You know, West Virginia, they pressed the whole game, track, and we struggled with that. So when we found out we had Michigan State, we, we knew we had a chance. And, um, we knew if we came out, played our best ball, and prepared, like prepared that week, we knew we had a chance. You know, as a 15 seed, what was the game plan like going into it? Um, the game plan was we watched film um, and we watched them a lot during the year. You know, they was on ESPN. But we noticed that everything was ran through Denzel Valentine. You know, pick and roll. He was finding everybody. The roll man, the weak side three, Brent Ford. And we knew that we had we, we couldn't guard we couldn't guard him and close out on threes. And so we had to limit it to what they do. So we decided to switch everything like ball screens, off screen, post screens, like everything. So and I feel like. It surprised them at the beginning. You, if you walk, go back and watch the game, they, they was they didn't know what to do. And um, it helped us get out to an early lead, and it helped us. We was hitting every shot at the beginning. So we, we came on fire, and our game plan defense was great, and it helped us get out early. Oh, yeah, we, we, watched, the, we watched the highlights. We watched the, the film on that. We saw how electric the crowd was, that environment. It was nuts. It was bananas. And it was crazy. And, like, towards the end, Dayton and um, – I believe Dayton and Syracuse getting ready to play after us, and the Dayton fans started like cheering for us. So we had Middle, T- Middle Tennessee fans and Dayton fans, and I believe <laughs> Syracuse fans as well because they didn't want to play Michigan State um, next. So they was cheering, cheering for us too. So that that helped us a lot. And, um, man, it was it was crazy. I remember they finally adjusted during that game. They found out all the switches and they started dumping it down to Costello, and Costello gave me twenty and ten, but I was happy with the win. So we just kept answering every run, and we made big play after big play. I mean, I was watching like like a month ago. It was like our whole starting five just made big play after big play. It was me, then it was Buford, then Reggie. So I feel like we was just we was just waiting on that on that time, and we we took advantage of it. Now, be honest, did you pick your team beating them in your bracket? Did you think you guys were going to beat them? No, yeah, yeah, I for sure, I for sure, I knew it would be tough. But I didn't think, like, going in, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Let's just play this game. You know, we're on TV. we in the tournament. No, we, we came there to win. Um, one thing our coach told us before the game was, like, just imagine, you know, we at the park and they shirts, they don't have Michigan State on their shirts. We're, we're shirts, their skins, and y'all just playing at the park. You tell me y'all can't beat them? And we took that took that to heart, and we felt like we had a great year. You know, we had some great, great talent on our team. And we feel like we are we deserve respect, and we came out and earned it. You know, going into it, the tournament brings the highest of the highs and some of the lowest of the lows. You go from that high, knocking out Tom Izzo, number two seed, 
Then you go to fall or the following week to or following game to playing Syracuse and losing. And they go to the final four. So I hope that gives you some comfort. What's that like going from here to here real quick? Man, it was hard. And our coach, our coach knew that Kermit Davis knew that like he wanted us to celebrate that wings, like celebrate tonight, but tomorrow, you know, we had to, we had to get back focused because the next day we have to um, prepare and get ready for Syracuse. And, um, we, we knew it would be tough. We had, we had one day to prepare for that zone, and one, it just wasn't enough. We came out good again against Syracuse, actually, and we all think, like, we finna do it again. We won Sweet 16, and at halftime, we was down two points. We made a run at the end of the half. In the beginning of the second half, we started off on a 5-0 run. Giddy Possumer, Giddy Poss hit a three-pointer, and we went up, I believe it was 41-39. And then our point guard picked up his, his fourth foul, and he had to sit down. And I never seen my season end so fast after he picked up that foul. They went on like a 12-0 run in like two minutes. And I look at the scoreboard, we was down 25. And my college career was over that fast. And it, it took me like probably two days to get over it, the loss, and, and realize what we actually did. And um, it was good. You know, got, got the chance to play against Tom Izzo, um, Jim Behind, a Final 14. And I just, I just took it all in. But it, it was great. You go into it thinking to yourself, like, we just lost, or, or, or they made it to the final four, or do you like F them? I don't even care. We lost. This is this is over for me. I'm I'm pissed. My career is done right now for college. Yeah. Uh, part of me like at that, that the next weekend tournament going on party was like, man, yeah, fuck Syracuse, man. Other part of me like, and they made it to the final four, and we let that look good on us. We lost to a final four team. Maybe if we were against Syracuse, we'd have been in the final four. So. He was thinking, he was thinking both ways, and but it, it was good. It was a good tournament. That whole tournament was good, actually. I feel like that's probably one of the best tournaments ever. So, for those who didn't get the chance, or I guess everyone who hasn't had the chance to experience playing against a Syracuse zone, how real is that zone? They have size, length. They're all athletic at every position. Like, what's the the time frame that you have to make a decision whether you're going to shoot, pass, or make a play? Man, I played against a lot of a lot of um, two three zones in my career. I never played against one like that. It's like when teams play zone, you figure like you can get some open threes, some easy shots. But in their zone, they don't give up no threes. They they wings are playing high. They're here recruit all these long, lanky, lanky wing guys, six seven on the wings. Then they got guards, six five guards, pressuring the ball up top. So and they're covering the middle as well. So only thing really open is the low baseline, short corner, or you make and get a corner threes. Other than that, you're shooting long three-pointers or passing the ball around for 30 seconds and chucking up a bad shot. So, yeah, man, that zone is crazy, man. They they communicate well. Um, they're they're very well coached. They just they just destroy every team with the zone. You know, going going from there, Middle Tennessee. What was your major? Um, my major was on sports sports on management. You gonna ever use that outside of once you retire? You gonna use it? Uh, yep, I plan on I plan on doing it. I want to get into coaching. Um, if I, I feel like if I wasn't playing, I would have tried to be a GA somewhere and, and work my way up in the coaching ranks. Um, I believe college basketball is for me. You know, I love I love the process, and I always paid attention to what my assistant coaches was doing. You know, that, that it just looked fun. Though they recruiting all day, breaking down film, then coming training us every day, then you know traveling around the country, just just being around basketball, and they like it. That's my dream job to have out there on my career. Playing? I love it. I love it. That's awesome. What's 
What's your advice to student athletes who are looking to continue their athletic career in college, but also trying to get a degree at the same time? Um, and just have balance. So it, it was hard for me, like, to get adjusted when I went to Whitewater, you know, I didn't have all this free time. I had to, you know, you know schedule my day correctly. And mm-hmm. getting up at six in the morning, working out, then hurry up, shower, get to my eight o'clock class and, you know, find a time to study, find a time to train, you know, find a time to go eat, eat lunch at the right time. So you make the practice on time. So you just, you, you got to learn how to schedule your day and um, basically become a pro at doing it. And, uh, the guys that do it are the ones that be successful. I want to jump in and say, uh, so you said you wanted to be a, a GA in the future, possibly, and move your way up in the coaching ranks. Are you going to be that coach that is going to strap up and get on the floor with your players and show them how it's done, or are you just going to be the one with the, the clipboard and the marker? Uh, I, I think at the, at, the, at the beginning, I might, I might strap them up, but on the tour's end, I might play some two-ball shooting contests or something, no, no move, no defense. But, um, yeah, I feel like towards the end, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be drawing up the plays and um, doing, doing all that. You know, I learned a lot from a lot of coaches I had, from my high school coaches to deep, my D3 coaches to, to Kermit Davis and even my overseas coaches now. I'm, I'm still learning every day. You know, I hope, I, you know, hope I'm able to take that into my coaching career. Before we go into the overseas stuff, did you have aspirations of being in the NBA? Um, yeah, I did. I did, especially um, like at the beginning of my high school career. You know, I felt like I had the chance to to play in the NBA, and I also felt like I was still I was gonna grow to be six eleven. But unfortunately, I stopped. I stopped at six eight my sophomore year, and didn't grow after that. So that's when I learned how I had to knew. That's when I knew I had to learn how to shoot the ball. You know, I couldn't be a six eight center and be successful. Um, in the pros, so, so I try. I tried to adjust my game, but unfortunately, you know, it didn't. It didn't work out. Um, and overseas was, was my destination. Well, man, you've been everywhere overseas: Belgium, China, Greece, Lebanon, Greece again, dude. You traveled the world. A ball got you to travel the world. Does that blow your mind when you think about it? Man, it, all, all the time to this day, like I'll be. I know I'll be on a road, traveling the road in Europe, like no, don't even know where I'm at. I'm just wondering, like. Man, it's crazy. Like, this ball took me all the way over here. Like, I'm in China, living in Beijing, playing basketball. Like, it's just crazy. You know, it's a dream come true. It's some of the stuff I never even dreamed of. So, I know, man, God was on my side the whole time, like, through all the ups and downs. And everything happened for a reason, you know, and it landed me in the right spot. When You know, I, I got a real funny question because we're in the pandemic right now. Everybody's wearing masks out in Beijing. That's normal. That's normal, man. Like, were you about that life? You learned about it real quick before you came back, huh? Yeah, that, was, that was the first thing I was curious about once I got to China. Like, is everybody going to have these masks on? And <laughs> they did. Like, as soon as I got to the airport, like, masks, everybody got a mask on. And they're, they're real crazy about journalists. Like, they like their space out there. Like, you get too close to them, they're they, they looking over their shoulder. Now, I remember one time I was, going to, I was at McDonald's. And I was ordering food, you know. Like, here in America, like, we go to the counter and order our food. And uh, I said what I want, and the lady stepped back. Like, I was too, too talking too close to her. <laughs> I felt like, okay, you want me to step back and order my food? So they're, 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 they've been like that, six feet distance out there, wearing masks. They, they're used to it. The other thing, too, um, how crazy is the food situation out there? I know specifically in China, if, if they put something in front of you, you don't even try it, it's disrespectful. Yeah. 
So you, yeah, how'd you get away with that? Because they probably they're eating bats, they're eating brains of monkey, they're eating all kinds of goofy stuff. I didn't, I didn't care what they think. If I didn't like what was in front of me, I was, I was scooting the plate. Like, no, I don't want that. And they, they felt, they felt some type of way at first, but you know, towards the end, it was like, okay, we can't, we can't make them eat it. You know? So I, I choose what I ate, and I lost a lot of weight doing that. You know? I wasn't eating everything, mostly just rice and. And chicken. I was eating the squirrels and the dogs, and oh, I let, I let that know. Actually, I found I found the hooters out there. I was at hooters every other day. <laughs> you know, it's bad if you're actually at hooters for the food, because the food at hooters is terrible. Terrible, man. What else are you gonna be at hooters for? <laughs> hooters, hooters, fruit Chris out there. <laughs> uh, when you were out there, you know, all the places you've been. Which one was your favorite? I would say between Belgium and Greece, you know, in Belgium, you know, I, I, had to, I made some great friends out there. My first year in Belgium, some great friends out playing for a great organization, a great coach, and you know, we was playing Champions League, and we was traveling all around the country. So we was playing in Belgium on Saturdays, then on Tuesday we'd go fly and play a team in Russia or Spain. So, and, you know, that was my first time out the country. So I, I was just taking it all in at the time, you know, just being a pro. And, man, one of my favorite things to do we go play Spain or, or a team in Russia after the game. We, we partying in Russia or at a club in Serbia. And man, just experience all those different cultures like every week. It, it was crazy. And um, I would say Greece because the um, man, the weather is beautiful. Like the beaches, um, the, just the lifestyle out there is great, hot all year round. And the nightlife was good. Um, I had my family out there, they loved it. So I believe Greece and, Greece and Belgium was my favorite spot so far. The Belgian, they, they have a lot of beer out there, don't they? Yeah, yeah, Belgian was known for their beer, their chocolate, and the Belgian waffle, man. The Belgian waffle, uh, best thing ever. Like, at first, I thought it was overrated. I was like, bro, it's just waffle. <laughs> and then I went up there, like, man, this thing, it, it was good. You, you keep it original with, like, some butter and some syrup, or they do something special out there? At, at first, at first, I kept it original. Like, bro, no, I just put syrup in my waffles back home. I don't want no ice cream, man. <laughs> and all of that, but I just, I start I, I uh, end up trying it eventually, and man, it, it was great. It's not it's not your original waffle. I rock with a Belgian waffle. That that is my go-to. Um, what what kind of culture shocks did you have beyond them saying, "Oh, you're too close to me when I'm ordering"? Were there other other crazy things? Um, in Belgium, I say in Belgium and Greece, like it's different. Like in Belgium, man, the nicest people, like. You walk in the room, everybody saying hello, bonjour, like, how are you? Once I got to Greece, man, everybody is mad. Like, everybody walking around mad. And I don't know, it's become, because of the economic crisis, just everybody's mad. But okay. you see how to somebody, you you bound not to get a response, you know? So I had to adjust. Like, Belgium, I walk in the room, I, I speak to everybody, hello. And Greece, come in, do what you got to do and leave. <laughs> so... It's two different sides of people, you know. In Belgium, they love beer, so you might run to some drunk, nice people all the time. In, in Greece, it wasn't it wasn't really beer, you know. It was mostly coffee every morning or shisha at night. So it, it was two different two different lifestyles. The the other thing that that blows my mind is I hear a lot in China. It's about scoring. Like you, you got to put up numbers, otherwise yeah. they'll get rid of you. And I mean, yeah. you did that. You were putting up. Damn near twenty eight points, seven point three rebounds, three assists a game. Yeah, you got some good tape out there. 
again. I had to adjust, you know. If you if you go to China trying to play team ball, you're gonna be gone the first week. So I had I was leaving Belgium. I remember I was leaving Belgium. My coach was telling me, um, make the right play, learn how to share the ball. You don't always have to shoot. Then on the next week I'm in China, my coach was telling me, um, what are you doing? Shoot the ball. We need a big game for you. So you had to get adjusted, you know. A lot of people think it's easy, you know, going to China and scoring 30 and 40. But, yeah, it, it's easy scoring on, you know, little Asian guys and they can't move, can't jump. But after he was playing three games a week, and they're asking you to do this every every game, 48 minutes. And so that was, that was the hard part. The mental part was hard. And, um, going out there, you know, I, I had to prepare my body and prepare my mind to go out there and just – just played with full of confidence. And that year, that summer, it helped me going into Greece because my confidence grew. Um, my stamina grew. I, I was in great shape, playing three games a week. Um, my body was slim. So so it helped me a lot. But it was definitely pressure. You know, every day you're thinking, like, you score 20 points. Like, man, yep, I'm going in the morning. You can get that text tonight. So <laughs> it was hard, but, you know, I, I adjusted to it. So what was it like? With like the reaction in your league when everything got shut down due to the corona, man, it was crazy. Like we was just going on our regular regular season. I remember we was on we was on the road, getting ready to, to fly to an island to play a team. We were gonna play on you know, Jerry Smith, Milwaukee guy. We were getting ready to go out there and play him. And um, on the bus, we get a text. Our coach get a text like they just ended our season. Like the season's over. He was like, um, we thought he was joking. You know, this guy joke a lot, so we think he's joking. But no, the season's over. So we actually turned the bus around. It was already seven hours in. Turned the bus around and drove back <laughs> to our city. And um, it was crazy. We were just sitting there for like two days, wondering like, what's next? At first, it was like they canceled for two weeks, and we gonna come back in two weeks. You know, every day it was a different story. And then the day they just made it official, like they announced um, the number one team, the champions, and it was like everybody can go home. And then, you know, that, that was a, another panic because they were saying now that Greece was ready to close their borders because they was going to go on lockdown and they wasn't going to let anybody leave. So now we was all rushing, you know, to find tickets and you know, hurry up and get home. And then they was telling us, if you go, go home to the States, you have to quarantine for 14 days. So. It was, it was a scary moment. Everybody was trying to rush to get home. Thank God we made it home safe. What did they do when you flew back? Did they did they do any testing on you or anything? Um, they did. They um, we landed. Um, the CDC they came on the plane. Um, it was like ten of them, and they just took everybody temperature. Um, took everybody temperature, and if your temperature is high, I don't know what they was gonna do with you, but you wasn't getting off the plane. But if you was good, you know, they, they let you get off the plane and you just went on about your business. But it was definitely scary seeing everybody because nobody know what to expect. You know, we was hearing three different stories and it, it was a scary moment. But luckily, we all, temperatures was down and it was good. Did you did you buy into the mass hysteria of panic? Did you go to Costco right away and buy up all the toilet paper and all the food? What'd you do? Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't do the toilet paper, but I did go rack up on some food. Like, uh, <laughs> It was crazy because when I got back to the States, everything was still normal. Like, everybody was still going going about their day. My girlfriends, like, they was partying. Uh, her sister, it was, it was at the club the day before. I'm like, bro, what are y'all doing? Like, I just left three. The whole country's on lockdown. And we over here partying. Like, and they didn't take me seriously. Like, it's not that serious. Y'all overreacting. And, like, three days later, after I was home, um, we went on lockdown. And then everybody was like, oh, shit. So, <laughs> 
And no, I was prepared. Like I was, I was ready for the lockdown. And I was locked down in Greece for I believe a week, so I came home to it. So it, it was, it was easy for me. Okay, okay. You know, uh, your your best matchup that you per- personally played against throughout your career. Who is that? I would say in high school, I matched up with Johnny O'Brien. You know, um, LSU. LSU played for the Bucks on. And this guy, he was um, he I believe he was top ten in the country at the time. He was playing, he was playing the Jackson Tigers, man. It's probably one of the biggest AAU teams I ever played against. Uh, Johnny O'Brien, he was down there playing at three and the four at six ten. And I remember, like, man, this dude, he was just moving me around everywhere, like shooting threes, post moves, dunking. And I, that's when I knew, like, man, I got to get bigger. And that summer, I, I started going to the weight room because of Johnny O'Brien. Johnny O'Brien. What are your views on the NBA landscape now, currently? What do you think about it? Like the small ball, how fast it is? What do you think? Nah, I tell you, I don't watch no NBA. Like this whole year, like I probably check out check out some highlights and and see some of the top dunks or passes, but I haven't watched a full NBA game in, in so long. I believe the last game I probably watched was last year when the Bucks was in the Eastern Conference Finals when I came home. But you know, it's it's also hard too though to, uh, to catch games over there. You know, most most of the games come on at three in the morning. So if if it's a real good game, I might stay up. But most of the time when I'm over there, I'm watching um, Euroleague games. You know, they came they come on like during the day. And it's great basketball. It's totally different basketball too. You know, they actually play defense during the season. It's more it's more competitive. You know, watching the NBA it, it gets kind of boring. Like I love playoff playoff basketball NBA, but the regular season. Man, I can't watch it, man. Like they only show up for the big games, you know. So I can I'm a Euroleague guy right now. Do you? I mean, are you, with your style of play though, you gotta love small ball lineups. Yeah, um, I like it. Yeah, I, I love small, but I just don't like the, the competition of the NBA like during the season. You know, some yeah. guys play hard, some guys not. But I yeah, agree. I, yeah, I love I love the small ball. You know, yeah. overseas it's a lot of small ball. You know, I feel like it, it's great for me. That's why I feel like. It's, I get a lot of offers um, every summer because teams love small ball. They love guys that can stretch the floor, format that can stretch the floor. You know, it's barely any format playing in the post now in the EuroLeague and the NBA. So I feel like it's it's moving definitely. But I also miss like the post game. I miss Shaquille O'Neal and KG. I also miss that game as well. You know, the mid range game. But the game now is beautiful. You know, so I think it's good both ways. Yeah, what I mean, I'll oh, go ahead, Q. Finish, go ahead, finish. I'm, I'm jumping into a different topic. Oh, I, I was just sitting there thinking about how, I mean, you you do, you stretch the floor, man. You're like a 3 and D player. You you got that that long three-point shot. It's smooth. You shoot like 40%. It's crazy to be that yeah. tall and do what you do. Yeah, and it just, it just makes the offense more smoother. You know, some games, some games overseas, I'll probably shoot like three shots, but the coach will have me out there for 35 minutes, you know, just because, you know, that's a decoy. Teams got to guard me in. It opened the floors up for the for the other players, so it has its advantage and disadvantage. You know, if a guy, four man we don't get as many shots as the shooting guard or, or the point guard, but we we all um, we're a big factor out there. Oh, for sure. So, what I was gonna jump into as we just wrapped up, uh, what are your thoughts on the last dance? Last dance. I already knew Jordan. In my opinion, he was already the greatest ever, but. No, that's just solidified it. Like, this guy was a killer, man. Like, the, the stuff mentally, like, 
I don't think it'll ever be anybody like him. Like he took everything as a competition. Like you see, he got mad. He lost it in a quarters game. Like, like so. I don't, I don't think he would never be another guy like him. Like the stuff he was doing in that early '80s, like it was unbelievable. And I feel like he will definitely kill in this era, any era. So I, I feel like he's the greatest. But you know, LeBron, LeBron right after him. So I love that response. Any any takeaways from the team concept from the the last dance? Uh, as far as maybe some of the role players, some of the the things that we we had no idea about, like Rodman getting you know quote unquote forty eight hours vacation. And yeah, that was crazy. And one thing I took from that from the Rodman situation was how great of a coach um, Phil Jackson was. You know, some coaches will um, get in their own way and and um, probably punish Rodman, suspend him, but. Phil Jackson, you know, he knew his players, and those those are the best coaches. They know which players they, they um, buttons they can push, and what players they know they have the comfort a little bit. And I, that's why I feel like he's the greatest coach ever. You know, and it allowed he allowed he allowed Dennis Rodman to be himself. You know, he allowed Jordan to be himself. You know, he he knew he knew his pieces, and um, I feel like you know, that was, that was a great situation for Rodman. He went there and helped him win. You know, he went and wrestled the day before finals game. He came back and had twenty rebounds. You know, and Phil Jackson knew knew what he could do. If Phil, if Phil Jackson knew he was gonna bullshit the next game, he probably would have been mad. But he knew, you know, Dennis Rodman he'd take care of his business. He he do what he gotta do off the court, but he also do come back and do his job. So I feel like Phil that 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 um, stood out with Phil Jackson a lot. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Rodman is uh, a freak of nature. I remember the last time I was in Vegas, I was actually at Caesar's Palace. And I was at one of the bars there, and I looked to my right, and he was like six seats down from me, just chilling with some five foot two Asian dude. Man, Rodney, crazy! Man, I would love <laughs> teammate. Yeah, I've been right there with him. I probably got suspended though. <laughs> we all would have, and, and and fined. Well, Darnell, we appreciate you coming on, man. It was a lot of fun, and we'd love to have you back whenever you want to come back. Just just let me know, man. I'll be I'll be down to do it anytime.